Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 1 through 20, called Lessons and Locusts. We have some pictures of locusts that I wanted to show you. And let me uh, just take you through a series of a few photos so you can see. They're pretty cute, right? Close-up shot of the locusts, which essentially are grasshoppers. Let's go to the next one. Uh, This gives you an idea of when they come into an area, how dense, how many of them. uh, It's very difficult to deal with. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, You can see another shot. Uh, Whatever you're trying to whisk them away with is probably going to not do much. And then finally, let's go to the next one. You can see when they gather on something like a tree like this, uh, it's difficult to see the tree anymore. And they, when they're all eating and chomping, it's an eerie sound. It's also a scary reality that to try to deal with them once they've swarmed into an area is, uh, it's tough to do. They covered the surface of the whole land so that the land was darkened. This anticipates the next plague, the ninth. And they ate every plant of the land and all the fruit trees that the hail left Thus, nothing green was left on tree or plant of the field throughout all the land of of Egypt. Locusts have voracious appetites, says one writer, and can eat virtually any type of plant. No crop or vegetable or fruit stood a chance against, against this unprecedented, unduplicated plague. Egypt would have no food, a remarkable reversal of what happened during the days of Joseph. The plague was devastating. They ate everything. I'm going to just take you to a a couple of passages to show you some parallels. We're going to go to the book of Joel. You say, where is that, Pastor Michael? I don't know. It's page number nine. I'm just kidding. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. All right, we're going to Joel chapter 1. A little bit debate about the dating of the book of Joel, but there is a locust plague that occurs. And here's what it says. The word of the Lord came to Joel, or Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, O elders, Joel 1-2. Listen, all inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or in your father's days? Joel 1-3. Tell your sons about it. And let your sons tell their sons and their sons the next generation. So now it's a plague that happened in the life of Israel, not in Egypt. What the gnawing locust has left for, Joel 1, the swarming locust is eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust is eaten. What the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust is eaten. And then you say, well, why? Notice, awake drunkards and weep. And wail all you wine drinkers on account of the sweet wine that is cut off from your mouth. Now we know that Israel's issue was idolatry and that's why judgment often came to the land. But here Joel says there are a bunch of people abusing alcohol. And this was one manifestation of ancient worship. 
Not that you drank wine, that was kind of a staple in Israel, but that you drank it to excess and even that it mingled together with your worship of false gods. And many scholars believe that the locust plague is a uh, type of the day of the Lord, the ultimate judgment in embryo. It's a foreshadowing. And even maybe the, in the Assyrian invasion of Israel or more specifically in the Babylonian invasion of Judah. For a nation has invaded my land, Joel 1.6, mighty and without number. Notice how it's described. Its teeth are the teeth of a lion. The locust foreshadows something worse. And it has the fangs of a lioness. It has made my vine a waste, my fig tree splinters. It has stripped them bare and cast them away. Their branches have become white. Wail like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the libation are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn. The ministers of the Lord. The field is ruined. The land mourns. The grain is ruined. This gives you images of back, makes you think of Egypt. The new wine dries up. Fresh oil fails. And then you skip down. It says 15. Alas. Notice how it moves into day of the Lord imagery. Alas for the day. For the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. God is given the credit for the invasion. Now, I don't have time to go through this with you, but in the next chapter of Joel, it picks up on this imagery of the locust invasion, and it talks about an army, and the locusts eventually kind of migrate into an image of a worldly army that God uses, and here, perhaps Nebuchadnezzar's army And look at verse 6 of Joel 2. It says, Before them, that army, the people are in anguish. All faces turn pale. They run like mighty men. They climb like the wall, the wall like soldiers. They each march in line, nor do they deviate from their paths. They do not crowd each other. They march everyone in his path. When they burst through the defenses, they do not break ranks. Scary invading army. They rush on the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. Images that are captured in the locusts, but now in this army. They enter through the windows like a thief. Before them, the earthquakes, the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. And the Lord utters his voice before his army. Surely his camp is very great. For strong is he who carries out his word. The day of the Lord, it's indeed great and very awesome. And who can endure it. But keep reading. Yet even now, declares the Lord, what does he say? Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering and a libation for the Lord your God. What's the solution when locusts come? Rend your heart and not your garment. Get right with the Lord and the Lord will heal you and even leave a blessing behind. Look, there are times when God gets our attention And it can be tough to deal with. And the world has been reeling with things. I just read to you a locust report from a year ago. Not to mention the coronavirus and everything that's happened in the world. 
And God says, you know what? If you just simply turn to me, maybe I'll leave a blessing behind me. I want to show you one other. This is very intriguing. It's all the way in Revelation 9. This is probably the scariest chapter in the Bible. And I had to share it with you. (laughs) Because it connects. Revelation 9, 1. The fifth angel sounded and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth. And the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. And he opened the bottomless pit, Revelation 9-2, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke came forth locusts, Revelation 9-3, upon the earth. Power was given to them as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were told that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men, notice, who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads, that is, those who don't belong to the Lord. Perhaps 144,000 here. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it, and they will long to die, and death flees from them. Now notice this. And the appearance of the locust was like horses, so obviously not an actual locust, prepared for battle. On their heads, as it were, crowns like gold. Their faces were like the faces of men. Their head, their, they had hair like the hair of women. Their teeth were like the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. Some See and hear the Roman army as it destroys uh, Jerusalem in AD 70. And they have tails like the tails, like scorpions and stings. And in their tails is the power to hurt men for five months. They have a king over them, the angel of the abyss. His name is in Hebrew, Abaddon. And in the Greek, his name is Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes still are coming after them. Of course, I think you would see in this now a last day's judgment, the day of the Lord judgment. Ultimately, you could, you could see foreshadowings of the ultimate day of the Lord, but the book of Revelation depicts a day of the Lord when God's judgment finally falls on an unbelieving world. And thank God the church is not here. And thank God the remnant of Israel is uh, marked out for protection. Praise the Lord. You don't want to meet these characters in a dark alley. You don't want to meet them in any alley, do you? <laughs> All right, we'll go back to Exodus. Let's see what Pharaoh does. So Pharaoh said the men can go. He got obviously prideful and all of that. 16, Exodus 10. But when the locusts came, Pharaoh hurriedly called for Moses and Aaron. And notice what he said. He said, I have sinned against the Lord, your God, and against you. Wow, that's very similar to the uh, confession of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once. Pray for me. Make supplication to the Lord your God that he would remove this death from me. Like a lot of people in crisis, Pharaoh called for a minister. (laughs) 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, the producer of Walk in Truth. You know, since we began on this journey of reaching out with God's truth to all people, we have grown to be on seven radio stations, one in Southern California, one in Northern California in the Bay Area, Arizona, Idaho, Utah, and two in Georgia, reaching people from all walks of life and faiths. In addition, we have listeners all over the world, like in South Africa, Nepal, Australia, the United Kingdom, Pakistan, and Israel, thanks to our podcast. The country where we have the second most listeners is India. Fewer than 3% of the population are Christians there. The hope of the gospel is getting around. If you are a financial partner, thank you for recognizing the importance of Walk in Truth by giving at least $5 a month and for praying for people's lives to be changed through hearing and responding to the messages aired each week. Through our partnership together, Walk in Truth has been able to carry God's message of hope to thousands of listeners who may be feeling stress, confusion, and hopelessness, and also contributing to the joy in learning God's Word and feeling Him close. Walk in Truth's total budget for radio airtime, promotion, equipment, supplies, and staffing is over $150,000 a year. Our goal has always been to become 100% listener-supported and expand into more radio stations as God provides. Our current level of listener financial support has grown to nearly 35%, and we are praying for more listeners to become part of the Walk in Truth team. Can you become a Walk in Truth partner, or can you give a one-time tax-deductible Christmas gift today? Please help us reach 50% listener support before the year ends. Call 844-48-TRUTH to give or visit walkintruth.com. That's 844-488-7884. 844-488-7884. One more time, 844-488-7884 or visit walkintruth.com. And Merry Christmas. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Like a lot of people, in crisis, Pharaoh called for a minister. (laughs) Modern application, right? I'm in trouble. Don't we have that pastor's phone number still? Can he come over here? Talk to the big man upstairs. Okay, I've sinned. The Egyptians worshiped the false god Min, M-I-N, the patron of the crops. He wasn't having a good week. Min worshipers held an annual festival. It was called the Min Festival. Just kidding. I don't know if it was, but it lasted only a Min, it, and uh, it was Minimal. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But you needed some humor after the Revelation 9 thing, right? So get this. The festival may have been happening during the eighth plague. Isn't that funny? Oh, men, wait a minute, let's, whatever. And the locusts came in right during the festival. And all the gods that are supposed to protect the flocks took a vacation. You got to find some humor here, right? Isis was their goddess of life who prepared flax for their clothing. Nepri was the goddess of grain. Anubis, the garden, guardian of the fields. Senehen, another false god, was the divine protector against pests. They're all having a bad week. And Pharaoh says, okay, I've sinned. Take away the deadly plague. Godly sorrow, godly, godly grief. 
There's a sorrow that is according to the will of God that produces repentance without regret. 2 Corinthians 7.10, leading to salvation, but there's a sorrow of the world that produces death. Listen to this. Guilt says, I'm sorry I did it. Sorrow says, I'm sorry I did it to him. Guilt is feeling sorry for one's sins because they are destroying one's own life, i.e., I got caught, I got consequences. Sorrow is feeling sorry for one's sins because they grieve and break God's and others' hearts. There's a type of, I sinned, I blew it, that is simply just to get the plague of death away. And then I walk away. But godly sorrow is, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your, in your sight. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And the father says, oh, no. <laughs> no, you're my son. And we're going to have a party, and we're going to put the best robe on you, and we're going to kill the fatted calf, and we're going to celebrate because this son of mine was dead, and he's begun to live again. That's godly sorrow. And so Moses went out from Pharaoh, made supplication to the Lord, and the Lord shifted the wind to a very strong west wind, took up the locusts, and drove them into the Red Sea, which is going to happen to the Egyptian army. They're, this is a foreshadowing. They're all going to drown in the sea. Not one locust was left in all the territory. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the sons of Israel go. Why don't you turn to Second Chronicles 7, and we're done. The worship team, if you can come on up, prepare yourself for the last song, Second Chronicles. So go a little bit to your right. You got First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Let's go to Second Chronicles 7. This is the uh, dedication of the temple under Solomon. Uh, he has completed what David had in his heart, and uh, Solomon prays and dedicates the house to the Lord. And here's what the text says. And let's just keep in, this in mind for the issue of the locusts and what, what Israel was called to do. So the, the Lord's uh, glory filled the house, Second Chronicles 7, 1. Priests couldn't even enter the house the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled the house. Boy, I tell you, that's what I cry for every Sunday. Oh, Lord, let people minimally say, surely God is in this place. Let them see your glory. So here's what it says. The Lord appeared to Solomon 12 at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears Attentive to the prayer offered in this place. Sweet sister in the Lord, a couple of weeks ago, joined us for worship. She's a member of another congregation. She's always an encouragement to me, and she said these words to me. She said, Pastor Michael, you did a great job with the message, and you had everybody to the point where we needed to repent. And I sure wish that you would have called upon us to repent. And I was like, "Woo, say it, girl. And there are times when we, as the church, hear a message like this and we look at everything else out there, right? <laughs> okay, if they, only they would repent, if only he or she would repent, if only they would get it together. We got no control of that stuff. 
But what we can say, Lord, is if there's stuff in my life that's got to go, so I can become more like Jesus, I can tell the story of your glory, I can become more consecrated to your purposes. Help me to humble myself and pray. Father, thank you for the patience of God's people to hear this message. It's not an easy one, but it's a powerful one. And we are to tell the story of your deliverance. And here's the good news. The good news is that we've already been delivered from the locus of death. (laughs) Because in the gospel, we are free. The book of Exodus is a book about salvation. And it is our story because it foreshadows the coming Passover lamb who would purchase our redemption, call us out of Egypt, out of the world, call us into the promises. And all your promises, we sang it earlier, are yes and amen in Jesus. We already have them. We have the down payment of the Holy Spirit. You're doing a work. You are no longer counting our sins against us. Yet, Lord, we know in the book of Revelation, in chapters two and three, as you spoke to different churches, several of them, you said, repent and return to your first love. And that, I believe, is the area where all of us could say, Lord, I just want to love you more, love you better. We love because you first loved us. Thank you for your awesome love. Thank you for the freedom of the gospel. Thank you for the beauty of redemption. Thank you that nothing will ever separate us from your love. Help us draw near to you. And if you are not a believer, or maybe you feel like you've been a prodigal, this would be a wonderful time just to say, Lord Jesus, save me. I believe in your death on the cross, your resurrection from the dead. Be my king, be my Lord, be my savior. I want to follow you. The Lord will give you the right words because he looks at the heart. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so wonderfully and beautifully. Bless your people. Leave a blessing behind today, please. Because that's who you are. You're You're the God full of compassion and mercy. Thank you for your mercies. Let them shower over your people today. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Lessons and Locusts, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 1 through 20. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking, but you could use some prayer, we have pastors on staff that would love to do that with you. You can call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the greatest lesson that we can learn from the locust invasion is that God oftentimes will do things or allow things to bring us to him or to get our attention. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. But you know what? When stuff happens in our world, when something may happen to get our attention, to start making us look above, the greatest takeaway, the greatest lesson is let it lead you back to God. Let the locust in quotes in your life, if you've been, if gone through a, a tough time, an inconvenient time, something that's driven you perhaps to Christian radio or back to church, what's the greatest thing you can do? Let the locusts lead you to the Lord. <laughs> Let your life become a living sacrifice, a, a life in love with the Savior, a life of joy and peace. Remember, when he tries to get our attention, it's for our own good to draw us into the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that is the greatest lesson 
of the locusts. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. And hey, I want to tell you about a Wednesday evening service we do right here at Living Truth, where I serve as senior pastor. We're in the city of Corona. Right now, we're going through a series on Advent, focusing on the kingdom of God and the king of kings. And we happen to be going through Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 on Wednesday nights. Hey, if you're anywhere within driving distance and you'd like to you know, get connected during this Christmas season, during all the distractions, the best thing that you could do is worship the King. Seven o'clock, Wednesday nights at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. The number, if you want to find out more about the church and uh, what's going on is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. You can get driving directions, etc. when you call the number 844 844- 48 Truth. Now remember, if you listen outside of Southern California, you can also live stream that service on our YouTube channel. Just search for Living Truth Christian Fellowship or connect to the YouTube channel through walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael, and we will see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow for the ninth plague. God bless you. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to your life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can give a one-time tax-deductible Christmas gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 10, 21-29, called Light in the Darkness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.